is he goes ahead and shows us who these minor prophets are, why they're called minor prophets, what it meant for the original audience back then, and what relevance does God's message through them have for us today, 2,000 years later. And so join Dr. Miller and his class on the minor prophets here Sunday nights at 6 p.m. in one of our growth groups. If you're looking for something to do Sunday nights at 6 p.m., we'd love to have you join us for our growth groups. Like I said, right down there, 6 o'clock p.m. on Sunday nights. Basically what we do is we try to have great fellowship as well as digging into scripture. If the Bible is God's special revelation to mankind, you and I would do well to understand what God is trying to get across for us. And so we do this through two types of adult growth groups. We have two classes that are available, one hosted by Dr. Brock Miller, who's going through the Minor Prophets currently, and one hosted by myself as we're going through the book of James, and we're looking at an active faith. And so if you're looking for something to do Sunday nights at 6 p.m., yep, that's the party time. We'd love to have you here at Open Door Baptist Church at 1128 Oats Road, Prattville, Alabama, 36066. Check it out. Check us out on the website at www.odbaptist.com. What is a gumshoe? Does that have anything about the sticky stuff we step on going about our day? Does it have anything to do with what's stuck underneath the desks at school? Actually not. It's a common misconception. It's a term that's not even used very often today, but a gumshoe is a private investigator, a detective, if you will. What does this mean as far as Open Door Baptist Church? Simply in the fact that every Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have our gumshoes class that seeks to discover what the Christian faith is, dig a little more deeper into who God and Jesus Christ is, the role of the Holy Spirit for our lives today. We do this through crafts, through activities, Bible lessons and teachings. And so if you have some children that you'd like to get involved right, as far as... live now, so we got the folks joining us live and we get a couple quick announcements. It is, it is a very special day today. Of course, many of you know that uh, Jen and I are out of town very early in uh, January. So uh, I think I preached the first Sunday in January and then we left town for a while and I haven't had an opportunity really to, to kind of lay out some things that we want to uh, look forward to in, in 2023. Uh, so I entitled today's message, What to Do in 23, What to Do in 23. And our text is going to be in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. So if your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter number 4 this morning. And uh, Gabe, I never did ask you what you thought when you saw that, that, that title slide. What does it make you think of? Anything particular? My wife got it right. Yeah. Allie sent me this slide, and I'm like, reminds me of Michael Jordan, um, the really best player in NBA history. Back when the NBA was something I watched. <laughs> Thanks to another number 23, I don't watch it anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, there you go. So there you go, NBA. If you wonder why your ratings are off, there you go. Um, very, very good. All right, well, let's read, and then I want to pray, and we'll get, get things going here this morning. What to do in 23, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and verse number 1 and 2. Let's read those. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead is appearing, and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Let's pray real quick, and then let's get 
into God's Word and move forward. Lord, thank you so much for the time today that we can be here uh, bringing us together. Uh, how majestic is your name as we have sung together this morning. We're so thankful to be reminded of that beautiful name that is uh, the name that is salvation is found among there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So we're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we as a church family today uh, look ahead uh, and anticipate uh, doing what you would call us to do. Lord, help us to be um, the people individually as your children who you want us to be and obedient to the call in our lives. So bless this time of study around your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Here, Jenny, Pastor, little Jenny, can you get my jacket for me? Usually you're telling me I got to take it off. Y'all fine in here? Is it too warm, too hot? Anybody awake? It's just right? All right, Russ, all I heard is it's just fine. I know DT, it's always hot for DT's standpoint, but all right, if you're good, then I'm good. Um, as I mentioned, Jen and I just got back from the cruise a few weeks ago, and while we're on the cruise every year that we go away for those weeks, one of the focuses is we consider uh, what God has done in our own personal lives and our marriage and also in the church, and, and then evaluate and try to sense and seek God's direction on is there something in the upcoming year that he specifically wants our church to accomplish. Now, we're living in a time of great economic issues and cultural issues and global conflict. I mean, these are days in which we have not seen before. And I, I don't want to be uh, hyperbolic because I know that sometimes pastors are, are famous. Oh, this is it. This is this and this. Is it. I, I don't know if the Lord's going to come tomorrow or five years from now or 30 years. I don't know. But I do know that our country is in waters in which we've never been before. And while we have seen the cultural and the moral foundation of our country under attack for, for many generations going back uh, for a long time, uh, but I don't think there's been a day where we see it dissolving right before our eyes. Now, if you could talk to the, the economists, they're telling us that this could be a very tough year. Uh, I, maybe there's going to be some problems ahead in your life that right now you can't see. But I'm thankful to know that as a child of God and one of his children that the future's out there, but God's already there. So thankful to know that. Now, while we were at church in um, St. Thomas a few weeks ago at Emmanuel Baptist, uh, we, we were there and uh, had a great time there with our missionaries and uh, worshiped with our brothers and sisters. They had a theme that they had adopted for 23 that Jenny and I both really liked. It was called Living Stress-Free in 2023. Jenny goes, we need to take that home. That needs to be our theme for this year. Now, you guys really want to know where all my thoughts come from? There you go. Um, we need to go home, and that's what we need to do. Notice that's not our theme for this year. Uh, but but I, told, I said, no, we can't do that. And she says, why can't you do that? I says, because I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> I said, I think I need to have a handle on some kind of topic before I'm going out there. And I don't know. Life is a lot of stress, isn't it? But I am thankful that as we look at another year, it's another year of opportunity to serve the Lord. And I would tell you that uh, as Christians and as odd Baptists, my, one of my encouragements that I desire for all of us here this morning um, is that when it comes to your faith, that there's some enthusiasm. Now, I understand we're all wired a little bit differently. And some of y'all, I, I, I will say maybe after church, like, hey, are you okay? Are you, you look like, you know, you just, you know. You were in line for your chicken nuggets and they ran out of them when you got to the window. You know, it's kind of how you look at it. We're out of those. 
Oh, man. But yet you're happy as can be on the inside. So I've learned not to necessarily judge, but I think we do need in our faith, even inside of our local church, some enthusiasm. I was thinking about that this morning, and uh, I was, Jen and I were driving over here, and I went by the former Methodist church that Pastor Danny calls the dirty church, you know, the one they, tra- they painted their building, and Pastor Danny thinks it looks dirty. Where's Pastor Danny, right? That's what he calls, he knows what I'm talking about. Not, he's not being critical, per se, he just thinks it looks dirty. Um, but uh, I thought it was great. They, they've, they're doing some interesting things and they had a, a young guy first I thought it was Gabe and I was then I was very discouraged I thought man Gabe and Liam have changed teams um, but there was a guy about Gabe's age with a little boy about Liam's age and his the dad had his little boy on his shoulder anybody see that little guy out there anybody else no I'm the only one no, the pastors are the only ones Gabe said all I look at is our church I don't look at other churches so Good answer, Gabe. But he had, his, he had his boy out there walking alongside Main Street there in front of their church with a sign that said, come to church here. And the little boy was out there waving his hands and he was accused of thing going, woo, he's going all crazy, you know. And I thought, you know, I, 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 I love that kind of enthusiasm and excitement for, for what God is doing in, in their church. But sometimes when I'm struggling or seeking to know what God wants to do, it's a, it's a struggle. You know, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, how, God, how do you want me to lead? And this particular time away, I, I felt like that, that little child, and all of us have had one, that has a question for you as the mom or dad or grandparent, and they won't let it go. You, ever, you have one of those? What about this? 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 Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? May I, may I, may I, may I? Um, anybody got one of those? I, I had, I don't know, Al, that was your brother more than you. I, actually, on this one, I'm going to let you off the hook on this one. But that's kind of how I felt as God's child, and I felt like the Lord finally said, just relax. Where you're going to go is a place that you don't have the strength in and of yourself to be. And oftentimes when I'm seeking God with the greatest desire and I evaluate the choices I have made and I look into myself, I don't know about you, but I become even more aware sometimes of my failings and my weaknesses. And I was thankful I was gone that during those weeks, it took a little while, but eventually the Lord just brought me back to a place of a reminder of my calling and really the simplicity of it all. Now, here in 2 Timothy, if you know your Bible, most of you here this morning, I think, no, do, that you do know it. Uh, 2 Timothy is a letter that uh, the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to write to uh, one of the young men that he had discipled maybe more than any other, Timothy. And Paul knows he's about to be martyred uh, for the faith. And these are considered to be the last words of Paul directed to Timothy, as Timothy would, uh, would assume a greater measure of a leadership role inside the church, both in the local church and then in the, the church in general. And throughout this letter, Paul charges him, encourages him with several things. And I'm so thankful, as we read this morning in verse number one, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. That, that, he, that he reminds him, that as he gives him this charge, that, that as Timothy goes forward in his service, that he wants him to remember that what he does is ultimately before the evaluation of one, before God. That what you and I do and the things that God calls us to do in our obedience or lack thereof, that sometimes in our lives we get so concerned with what everybody else thinks. 
And Paul reminds him, as I charge you this, I'm charging you before your Lord, and I'm charging you before the one that's going to judge the quick and the dead. Some would say that's believers and unbelievers. I think you might be able to apply it also. Some believers, some unfaithful believers versus faithful believers, but he is going to be the judge of all and that his kingdom is coming. How often, and I will tell you in ministry, how often even pastors like myself are under pressure to respond in ways that we think others want us to. That we can be subtly deceived into living our lives in response to the expectations of other people. Now, you know, I I, want to remind you this morning, it's not that we should not consider what we're doing and how we're behaving and how it affects other people. I don't want you to take an absence, because I know some people say, yeah, I'm just living before God, and I'm doing what God wants me to do. Well, if some of the choices you are making, you are getting from good counsel and other people and wisdom that the things that you're doing are a hindrance to other people, you need to change. We do need to be aware of what I do and what you do, how it affects other people. But if you take that too far, and some Christians and some people are so paralyzed by what other people think, you know, it amazes me, especially, you know, we hear this about teenagers, and it is true, teenagers are under a lot of peer pressure, and, and it astounds me what teenagers will think, and we were the exact same way, what things we thought were really cool, some of us older people remember some of the things we did back in high school, DT, not you, you did bad things in high school, but maybe you're, Tommy, you know, us normal teenagers, you know, we did some things, you know, like, what were we thinking, but, you know, we thought in the day it was cool, and that's what everybody else wanted to do. But I have found, and oftentimes, oh, that's a teenage thing. No, that's a human thing. And I know some pastors that they pastor their church not based on what the Lord's leading them to do and to meet in the needs of their congregation, but they lead it by what some Bible college tells them to do, or they lead it by what some other para-Christian organization leads them to do, or somebody else instead of doing what God's calling them to do. And Paul reminds Timothy, if if you're going to be effective in your leadership, number one, you need to remember that the one that's evaluating what you do, first and foremost, be reminded that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what I have to think about what you do or what your spouse thinks you got to do, but first and foremost in the life of the believer, the things and the choices you're making, don't be fooled into thinking that God doesn't know or he's not aware or he's not evaluating the choices that you're making and we're good at hiding things from other people but there's no hiding from God he is the ultimate judge you know we live in a world today that is okay or is we'll put it this way they're worried about offending everybody except God and you all know, I mean, I, 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 I thought, well, I'm not even going to get into it, but boy, the things that went on this week, it, you know, no, I wasn't, I haven't tuned into the Grammys mm, ever. Um, I'm, I'm, can I preach just a little bit? Honey? I don't understand why a Christian has any interest in what's going on at, at the Grammys, but at least this time this week, they showed us what it's been about for a long time. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, good. Um, but they made it real clear who their God is. And 
I, sometimes I hear Christians or critics of Christianity talk about the Old Testament and how God did this and God, you know, why would God do this? And today we, we are much more sophisticated today. Yeah, no, the, the, the things that went on at the Grammys look a lot like the same kind of music and dancing that would have gone on before the idol of Baal or Moloch or any other ones that are in the Old Testament. Humanity hasn't changed, and the, those who choose to, to worship evil are worshiping the same evil personage of Satan that they always have. So Paul makes it really simple. He said, you got to remember it's, it's the Lord that's evaluating. And then he says, this is what you got to do. Preach the word. Pretty simple. Timothy, what your job, what your calling is, is to preach the word. Now, you know, in the letter of 2 Timothy, just a paragraph earlier in the, uh, in the Greek, you, you'll find that there was that very uh, well-known and famous passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Sounds very familiar to with what, what Paul rewrites here and what the Holy Spirit gives us here in verse number two to, to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It's fascinating to see, as someone who studied the scriptures and the coming together of the scriptures, how quickly the early church recognized that letters like that we're reading this morning were not just a letter that Paul was writing to Timothy, but were in fact a letter from God himself to all believers. They, as Peter would write in his epistles, that the scriptures were a more sure word of prophecy. They saw very early on these New Testament manuscripts. They understood which ones were divine and equal to every bit as much as the Old Testament. But the bottom line is Christians ought to have a solid love for the Word of God. And as 2023 comes as a church, we need to continue our focus on the authority of the Word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah says, Is not my word, or God says, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Isaiah 40, verse number 8, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Proverbs 30, verse number 5, every word of God is pure, and he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Psalm 119, 160, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Amen. And by the way, I could go on and on and on. When I was doing this, I said, oh, better stop, because I was, how many, how many times the Bible encourages us in the study of the Word of God, in the authority of the Word of God, in the effectiveness of the Word of God. It's over and over and over again. And in 2023, to be really, really simple, as a church in an era where Christianity and our culture is under attack, as a church family, we need to be focused and centered continually upon the Word of God. Paul says, preach the Word. He said, whether it's popular or not popular, convenient or not convenient, be ready. And as we preach the word, as our foundation, out of that will grow reproving and rebuking and exhorting. You know, I find one of the least favorite thing people like from a pastor is, 
It's re reproving and rebuking. <laughs> I get myself in trouble when I get into that mode. Um, but unfortunately, we live in a day where many pastors are afraid, whether it's in a pulpit or whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one meeting, to call sin what it is. And Noah's a messenger. No human pastor is perfect. <laughs> we need reproving and rebuking as well. But as a pastor, when you faithfully and honestly and contextually preach the Word of God, you are used as a messenger oftentimes to be rebuking. There, there are people that are not here this morning because I have made some unpopular stands based on the conviction that I have as I understand the Word of God. I'm not afraid to challenge pop culture. Not afraid. And when I see principles and lives of family that are being violated, and both from a scriptural standpoint and also a life experience standpoint, I know where it goes. I would be remiss and an unfaithful pastor if I didn't boldly proclaim truth. And the problem with America today is that there's not a lot of courage in the pulpit anymore. We want to be liked, we want to be well paid, and make everybody happy. Paul says you just stay at it and that as a pastor, preaching the word effectively is the primary responsibility. As you read through the New Testament, you've heard me say it before, really the only scriptural foundation for which a pastor can be monetarily paid is if that pastor can preach the word of God. Matter of fact, I think it's in Hebrews, uh, fascinating, uh, you know, where he talks about that we ought to honor widows. And, he, and really it means if a widow has a material need, you ought to meet that need. And, um, and certainly we ought to do that, shouldn't we? Do you know it's a couple verses down in that passage that it says that him that teaches in the word is worthy of double honor? Ooh. In other words, I don't know if I can say this. I'm going to offend somebody. because not, not about me. You all do so well. I, I, thank you for what you do for us. But Paul's basically saying there in Hebrews, hey, you need to take care of your widows and the people that teach the word of God twice as much. That, that's not... When Peter fell and denied the Lord, when Jesus was arrested, you all know the story that after Jesus rose from the dead that he meets Peter and Peter gets restored in his relationship and they're sitting there on the, sea show, the, the side of the Sea of Galilee and they're eating the fish there that they're cooking and Jesus looks over at Peter who the Lord knew would become one of the great leaders of the local church and would receive the keys to the kingdom. Um, he'd give him the keys, as he promised. But remember when he asked him, if, do you love me? Remember that? And do you remember what he told Peter when Peter said, Lord, you know I love you? And then what did Jesus say to him? Feed my sheep. Shepherd the flock. And it's the number one thing that pastors ought to do. And as we go through 2023, whether it's Pastor Cody, or Pastor Danny, or myself, 
the number one goal that we have and our number one responsibility is to preach and teach the word of God. Notice he goes on in verse 3 and says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. Now, Paul's been telling Timothy, here's what you need to do. Now he's turning and saying, now this is what sometimes your listeners are going to do. So I've been talking a little bit what's responsibility here. Now he's going to talk about, well, some of the people you're going to preach to, which I'd assume would both be inside the church, maybe outside the church. Maybe it's believers and unbelievers. But I think in in totality, uh, the church is mainly for the teaching for Christians. And then we ought to go out in the world and witness and bring them in. But Paul tells him there's going to be times that some people just don't want to listen The Bible says in verse 3, they will not endure sound doctrine. I couldn't let go of that. I kept thinking about that over the last several weeks. I've been thinking about that, and I came to this conclusion. Do you realize that sometimes hearing honest contextual Bible truth requires endurance? Sometimes y'all got to endure. You say, yeah, I know, especially when Mike Jones preaches. He preaches a long time. Um, No, that's Pastor Danny. No, that's Pastor Cody. Um, I've got about eight minutes, and I've got to be done. So, I, I, I put in my notes, and I almost wrote the whole sermon. This, used, this almost was my sermon title. Today, we're all about TikTok Christianity. And number one, I don't have TikTok. Don't like it. My daughter and I have conflict about this. It's not on my thing. It's a Chinese propaganda thing. I bought into that conspiracy theory. I don't, I don't want But I've read about that, and it is a very powerful platform And it's like what many people want of their Christianity. Just give me 15 to 30 seconds and be funny and profound and make sure it's something that I specifically am really interested in. Because you realize those TikTok, the, the, the algorithms on there discern what it is that you and I actually like. And once you click one video and another, they figure out exactly what you like. And, and, and I, I've been reading and studying this last several weeks, the effectiveness that TikTok has in taking 15 seconds at a time. The next thing you look up and you've been on it for an hour and a half. Anybody ever been there? And I find that many American Christians in particular they want to be at a place in a church that all their preferences are met. They have the music style they want, the version of the scriptures they want, the way people's haircut is the way they want, the way the people dress the way they want. And if any of those preferences get out of their preference zone, well, I'll just click on another video. There's, there's no endurance. I understand unbelievers don't want to hear it, but boy, the sad fact is even a lot of times churches and Christians don't want to hear it. They're okay as long as the, the message that morning is one that makes everybody feel good and, you know, positive outlook and everything. And, I, you know, I, I'm all right. And we don't ever want to have the Holy Spirit of God bring healthy guilt, not unhealthy, or accountability or a sense of conviction in the attitudes that I'm currently espousing. Don't want to hear it. Instead, we just want someone that's going to, they Paul uses here, someone that will just scratch an itch. You ever had an itch? Can somebody explain to me why in the middle of the night when you have an itch on your back, it has to be in that one spot that you cannot reach? That's why you got to limber up more, right? right? And, and the older I get, the less I can reach. 
then I have to wake up Jenny. <laughs> and then you get that itch and someone scratches it. You know, I find that's what people, they want to go to church. They want to get an itch that they have scratched. As somebody who grew up for a season of my life in independent Baptist fundamentalism, sometimes I found out what I came to learn is a lot of times people just have an itch of self-righteousness and judgmentalism. Legalism masked as spirituality. Pastor, just give us some red meat and tell us all these rules and everything and ones that I'm already living in somewhat in conjunction with, although in my real life I don't. But on Sunday, I sure look at I've got all all the things figured out. And as long as you get on that, boo. But if you start talking about the attitude of bitterness I have, ooh, I don't like that. If you start talking about the unforgiveness I have towards my spouse or towards somebody else in the church or my family, ooh, I don't want to hear about that. Maybe the itch is the promise of your best life now, or maybe it's the itch of, you know, uh, Christianity today as a way of making everything that we do in sin and just Christianizing it. Make someone feel good about what they're doing. Maybe it's a message that's more focused on experience and emotion, you know. I got to tell you, as a, as a Baptist, I, I, I think we could use a little bit more emotion, honestly. I think you all sometimes, I, I'd like to go, maybe once in a while, preach at some charismatic church someday, and people running around, the thing's going crazy. I'd probably have me a big stick going, sit down, plack them over the head, you know. As they go by, kaboom, lay down, you're slain in the spirit. But, hey, I'd, I'd leave church really happy. You know, the preacher had a good day today. He slayed a bunch of people today. You know, during the week I'll be praying, Lord, who do I want to hit today? Let's see, Bobby Munger. I need a big stick if I'm going to hit Bobby Munger. I don't want him to get up. Um, it's just a message of emotion. And while I think personally we should be a little more emotional than we are, I mean, when's the last time that a, a song moved you to tears? Or a time where you recognized God forgave you in an area of your life you've been struggling and you were so grateful for God's presence in your life that it was an emotional time. Nothing wrong with that. But as Paul says to Timothy, the time's going to come where they don't want to hear that. Instead, they're going to turn away from the truth, from the word of God, and shall be turned unto fables. And again, I, what would I expect out of unbelievers in the world? I expect them to believe in fables. Why wouldn't they? But what's discouraging is when the church turns to fables. You know, when I came here to Open Door and Jen and I, which we were involved even before we were in full-time ministry, we've always been involved with um, uh, a crisis pregnancy center. When we lived in Indiana, it was Birthright, um, a great organization there in Richmond, Indiana. And we got here and got involved with um, the local river region at that time, um, or is it Grace Place, excuse me, at that time. That's how I met Bill and Alda, actually, the first time uh, from that experience. But I remember meeting some of these folks that worked in our pregnancy center and finding out how few of the churches in the area were willing to stand with them and financially support them. Wouldn't even let them come to their church and tell them what they were doing at the pregnancy center. Too controversial. The churches believe the fable that life in the womb doesn't matter. Or how many times you go to churches and they don't want to stand on the clear teaching of the book of Genesis. Instead, we believe the myth of evolution. Evolution. 
or it amazes me how many believers embrace the world and its culture and yet question everything God says. We reject the, the, the story of marriage as the Bible records it and believe the fable of the LGBTQB, ABCD, hashtag, upside down, whatever group. Yeah, they're going to hate me. They already do. Love you guys, though. Don't want you to go to hell. Reject the authority of the scriptures and instead turn to fables. You know, it's sad today that most Christians are more committed to their hour of their favorite TV or video than they are an hour of church. Most Christians are more committed to their local gym membership than they are their church. No time, you know, to go to church. Many Christians know more songs of the world and not the songs of the faith. Most Christians today in America know all about their favorite singer or actor or athlete, but they don't know about David and Isaiah and Peter, let alone the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you all know that I strongly believe that the church needs to find ways to be relevant, that methodology is not always doctrine. But as pastors, sometimes we're under such pressure to come up with a new way to market the church, a new way to be appealing to the culture. But the reality is, as a pastor, I wasn't charged to do that. I was charged to preach the word. That's why Paul ends our passage this morning by saying, but watch thou in all things, endure infliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, endure the problems, the conflicts, the finances, the building, endure Don Taylor, endure him, endure Russ, <laughs> endure all these things, and do the work of evangelism, reach people for the Savior. And fulfill the ministry that God's called me to do. And this year in 2023, our church is going to go ahead as you and I do what God has called you and I to do. Now we come together as a local church to work together to accomplish some of these goals. But we're not going to get as far if it's just Danny and Rebecca and Jenny and I and Cody and Erica. We, we, we need all of us to be involved. The work is critical. It has eternal consequences. And I know it gets discouraging as an American Christian and as an American pastor because sometimes it's like, you know, we need to see more people being saved, and we do. But we recognize that America has become really hard, really hard. But I need you to understand that here at Open Door, with our DNA being what it is, that we believe in great grace and we believe in global missions. And that part of being a part of this church is not only reaching people here in Prattville and Alabama, but reaching people all around the world. And as you remain faithful in your prayers and in your finances, we make it really clear that missions is a big deal to us around here. Big deal. That's why all these funny-looking buildings are on the wall back there and as many of you know, we have a new one coming. Brother Brock and I have been working on, planning on how this is going to work. I'm not quite sure how we're going to make it work. He thinks it's too hard. He, Brock thinks it's too hard. <laughs> I've just lost my worker. <laughs> I'll take you to McDonald's after church tonight, right? Um, call it even. Um, but right now, as you know, we've been building, raised the money, sent the money over to Ethiopia for our second church build in Ethiopia, uh, Galjada Baptist Church. And there was a 
civil conflict down there. We thought maybe our building, they had gotten the structure up and we thought maybe it was destroyed, but the pastors, Pastor Tishito and Pastor Nageru got back there and it was fine. They pushed forward on the building and uh, they've been preaching there in this little remote village. I'm talking, this is very, very remote south central Ethiopia, a predominantly Muslim area, uh, very few Christians in this area. And uh, here's a picture I think coming up here of they recently that's Burhanu in the blue I believe that's brother Burhanu many of you know Burhanu um, you know one of our dear brothers they had a they had seven folks uh, step forward for baptism just a couple weeks ago isn't that great it's fantastic and uh, now I'm going to take you to the church that y'all have invested in to build here's the inside of it now bear in mind this is in a very remote area this is the nicest building within 50 60 100 miles yeah. Um, let's see the outside. Isn't it something? And trust me, they'll, they're already running 30 or 40. Brother Conrad, you all know John and Sue Conrad, some of our other missionaries that we partner with building these. John was just there with Burhanu a couple weeks ago, was on site. So these pictures are just really just a few weeks old. Um, and all they've got to do is get doors and windows. Do we know anybody that knows anything about doors and windows? Um, ship them right over there. They need some doors and windows. Uh, so they've still got some finished work to do. They're going to do some ceiling work. It's not completely done, but it's come a, a long way. Isn't that exciting? They're, they're, they're already seeing people saved, and this church is just taken off. As you know, we also, the one we completed just before that, or actually it's under construction. I thought it was done, but it's not. It's a long story. But as you know, we're also, by the grace of God, building a building in the cemetery in Manila uh, in the Philippines. Uh, that there's um, folks that actually live inside the cemetery. And uh, if they don't have education, they can't get into school. And it's a, just a, it's a terrible thing. And Brother John, my same, our same missionary friend, was there back in October, November, and uh, sent me, uh, actually made a little video, and to end our service today in this portion, I want to show you, um, I want to take you to the Philippines this morning and uh, show you what's happening there and the investment and what we need to do in 2023. All right, Allie, are you ready? Let it, let it go.
Burlington is using an improved reading and math curriculum to prepare children to enter the public school system. He and his ministry team hold classes weekdays for three hours for approximately 175 children. Thus far, more than 200 have completed the program and entered public schools. He also uses an adult alternative learning system to teach parents to read. And several of them have found jobs and left the cemetery for apartments nearby. However, Tim's real desire is to share the gospel. Every Saturday, they find a place for a chapel service and he brings a message of hope through Christ. And since the ministry began nine years ago, more than 1,700 cemetery residents have professed Christ as Savior. Recently, the Lord answered their prayers by providing funds for a future building inside the cemetery. This will serve the ministry as a training center and a place of worship. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Looks familiar back there, doesn't it? And uh, I want to encourage as we continue in 2023, uh, let's preach the word and uh, let's stay at it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the teaching of your word this morning.